We're back. The Whiskey Hue, a podcast from three brown startup enthusiasts that pull back the curtain on business, culture and side pieces. <laughs> Not that type. We're talking emerging media, e-games, cannabis, blockchain and so much more without the bullshit. And most importantly, over whiskey. America calls Clyde Black, Athul Brown, and Anthony somewhere in the confusing middle. With three brothers, various shades of brown, bringing you the latest in tech, business, and startups mixed with a ton of sarcasm. Cue the music. Give him something. Give him something. Shout out to X. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Whiskey Hue. We're here to bring you our perspective on business, tech, and culture, and we're excited. We should have a really good one today as we've been doing. We nothing but the hits around here. Um, we're going to dive into it. We have a special guest. Um, you know, I'm going to let AG introduce our special guest. It's a good one. He brought him to the Whiskey Hill and, you know, I want to let him do the honors. Let me tell you something. This, this is the beauty of, uh, social media. You know, I, I connected to, connected to, uh, uh, their, uh, I think she's a part of the company, Monetize, Candace Taylor, but she introduced me to, uh, Clayton Redmond and the whole concept of, uh, of Monetize. But Clayton Red- Redmond, you know, a perennial entrepreneur, disruptor. Um, he's the chief executive officer and founder of Modern Times. It's a time usage based on demand pl- uh, payment platform, right? So um, it empowers freelancers, self-employed licensed professionals, as well as experts, entrepreneurs or tech tech gurus to generate money off of their their advice. Um, so it's 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 something that we always talk about. We have people who need who give advice all the time and need to make some money. But Clayton. You know, he's, like I said, a perennial entrepreneur. He's been doing it for, geez, entrepreneurship in the game for over 15 years now. You know, initially with a think tank that he created years ago uh, called Redmond. Help me out if I'm pronouncing it incorrect. Jiang. That's John. Redmond John. I was, I was, I was stretching there. Um, and, and that's still active to this day. And at the same time, uh, you know, one of the platforms that might actually, you know, get with a fool, you know, you, you started off years ago in 07 with a musician, uh, a technology for musicians to stream their gigs. Correct. And correct. that's old oh, school. Nice. That's, that, that's a fool's game that he, he's a, he's a, he's a music lover was in that, in that business for uh, years. Oh, I got to hear about that later. Yeah. So uh, it, with no further ado, I want to introduce Clay Redman uh, to our show. Uh, in our, in our, I guess, our whiskey cellar, I like to call it, and we have a guest on. <laughs> but, you know, Clayton Redmond, you know, I'll just start, stop saying your full name. I'll call you Clayton. And hey, introduce hey, yourself. Whatever, however you want to, man. <laughs> introduce yourself to the Whiskey Hue audience and, uh, you know, give us a quick background of yourself. Hey, guys. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm, I'm a, a young cop from, from Dallas, Texas, on the south side, this place called Oak Cliff, Texas. And, um, I've had the uh, ability to really be an oxymoron in a way in my upbringing in Oak Cliff and the urban in that environment because I was sent to uh, what DISD calls is their talented and gifted program from the fourth grade. And if you ever saw the movie with Kid and Play where they were walking through the school, through their neighborhood school, and then they went through these doors and it it was just a, a school of excellence where it was not many black people was it was a lot of you know, white and Asian kids, but right outside those doors were the neighborhood kids full of black and brown kids. So from fourth grade all the way through uh, uh, high school, I had that diverse experience. And just like a lot of other kids in urban environments say that they were influenced by people around them. You know, maybe it was the 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 guy with the nice car, the drug dealer, those different types of things. We we kind of had that same experience, but the difference was is that the gentleman that pulled up on me, uh, it was two guys actually when we were a freshman in 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 high school that were driving a a, a bubble Lexus, and you know back then that was that was everything, yeah, and they hopped out the car, and they were passing out flyers. And I was hanging with my guys and we were sitting there and we're like, what are they doing? Like, what, whatever they doing, because they were coming from another high school, we want to do the same thing, right? So I went up to him and talked to the gentleman. His name was James. And he told me that they were throwing parties. And I saw that as the first opportunity to monetize our popularity 
at, at a very young age because at that age it was a big market because we couldn't get into clubs. So we they were renting out hotel ballrooms and renting them out and making a ridiculous amount of money. So we started to do the same thing in our high school and it spread out through Dallas. And that was really my first real taste of entrepreneurship and making money for myself in a, in a, in a big way and building a group and team of people around me to accomplish that goal. Uh, and then fast forward, going off to school, there were a lot of things happening back in Dallas uh, because of everything we were doing. My father actually was a part of a group called Celsius uh, that back in the day sold the call manager and 7960 phone systems to Cisco Systems. That entire telephony change away from from long distance really happened in Dallas. And I had a, a front row seat at watching a 50 man team grow into an entire business unit of Cisco being their entire call, a call manager and 7960 phone systems. So it, 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 it propelled me to a life of, uh, of not only telephony, but technology and understanding how that can take me looking at my father, a, a man from, from the south side of Dallas uh, and working with a great group of people with an innovative idea, take him and his family to another level. And I wanted to continue that uh, going forward. And that's pretty much how I started on my journey of becoming a, a, a tech entrepreneur, per se. OK, OK, uh, I guess I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a hostess today. Right, Clyde? No. All right, whatever. I got this. I got this. All right. So talk, let's talk. Let's talk about. Let's jump right into it. Modern times. Right, where did the idea come from? You know, you know, you have a nice team. Like you got a decent, you, you got a decent team for uh, uh, not. It's not a massive company yet, but it's getting there. You got a great team that's behind you, developing the product, developing the technology, great user interface. But let's talk about where you come came up with the idea um, and where you are right now with modern times. Okay. Um, and that's kind of that. I wouldn't say that that's changed, but since some recent announcements that that has allowed us to kind of come out of our shell a little bit more because we've been having to play a, a waiting game and, and, and more so a betting game uh, based off of some of the things that we were developing and the way we wanted to implement those into the marketplace. Uh, but to answer your question, I, as a background, I think about, I think about, applications like have you ever played the game called Ruma Cube? Yep. Right. So <laughs> I, I I think I think of applications like Ruma Cube, right? The tiles are mm. functionality. The tiles are functionality, right? And the strings on the the combinations on the board are different applications or each string is application or a combination of everything, all the tiles on the floor or as a, a combination or an application, right? So when I look at technology, I look at tiles. I don't, I don't look at the, the combination per se. I look at them individually. And when my team over the years, when we're developing applications and technology, we break them down into individual functionalities because that yellow two can fit over there in, in another string if it's combined correctly, right? So, as a, as a base, that's where it started because uh, my brother-in-law, my, my brother was over uh, my home for for Christmas and I was showing him a few things. Um, and then I, I did a transaction with him based on time and he's in the payment space. That's that's his hmm. expertise um, uh, working with, with various companies. And he commented to me that he, and from his experience, he's never seen a vertical in payments that allow for time-based payments on demand in a peer-to-peer -peer way because the existing verticals are one-time payments like tipping or buying that that sweatshirt online or you have reoccurring payments based on subscriptions but mm -hmm. none based on reoccurring time-based payments in an on-demand peer-to-peer type of way right and so we, you know, I, I, I took that tile, right, and built an application around that one tile of, of, of time and being able to calculate time in a very robust way, in a systematic way, in a transparent way, and attaching that to a 
payment solution uh, or payment processes that, that, that allow for people to get paid as simply as Cash App or Venmo. Um, now, fast forward, as we were developing this product, a company called Clubhouse came out or <laughs> became a little bit more, became a little bit more popular than what they were. And from our perspective, it was really a, a blessing because what it did was it aggregated all of the people that we felt were monetized target market people into one place. Hmm. And about I would say about a year ago, we sat back and realized because I have to admit I was a I would say a, a, a late bloomer when it comes to to accepting uh, Clubhouse, right? Okay. Um, How you no, no, I'm not gonna let you get that off. How are you gonna be a late bloomer? It, it just got just got started. <laughs> well, well I've been on it. Yeah. I, so when I first was when I first was introduced to it, well, let's let's start out with a with a a matter of fact. If we would all agree that freemium content is never the end result or or end goal of the salesperson, the marketeer, or the professional. It is a it's a tool to raise awareness, brand awareness, confidence uh, to drive them to take that premium content that you're offering. Is, do we agree that is a fact? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So I was perplexed that professionals moving away from a funnel that has proven to be very successful because it allowed you to create a consistent, repeatable message while you were off playing golf, your funnel was was continuously filtering out those people that just wanted freemium content and sent only the people that were ready for premium content. How do we change that? How do we switch that out for a medium that requires you to be there at all times to deliver the value proposition over and over again, which ultimately makes it inconsistent and you have to be there at all times. Mm -hmm. Right. But what I, what I had to do, uh, I had to sit back and look from a standpoint that it makes sense if monetization is included. This was when monetization wasn't there, but it was, it, we all, we, we said, and we looked and said, it, it, it will make sense. This will make sense if monetization is there because in the funnel world, the marketing and freemium content is disjointed from the premium content in the medium in which you deliver that content. And on Clubhouse, if, if, if monetization is included correctly, the place where you fish can also be the place where you deliver that premium content in the same communication platform, which would make it unstoppable. So we started to think about what would be those monetization plays that Clubhouse would need to implement. Being a payment company, we understand the woes of being a payment company uh, and all it takes to, to, to go into that space. Um, so a while back, we made a bet that they would most likely choose Stripe, right? Uh, and we programmed our algorithms to work with Stripe um, to be able to release the API. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but we can, we can implement any any payment solution on the backside of monetize, but we, we decided to go with Stripe because we felt that it would be most likely chosen by Clubhouse, which we wanted our, our ultimate business model to be very lean, be very clean, and with our relationship with Stripe, implement our technology, our monetimes into Clubhouse and other communication platform as an additional payment feature for creators. Interesting. Interesting. So, you know, as a marketer, I sit back and think like, you know, ultimately, how do you gain scale? And, you know, you're talking about monetizing individual time and getting in front of an audience for me um, shows the importance and the value of the services that I'm trying to sell or deliver. So when you think about that, how are you thinking about the future of your brand and your product, taking it beyond just the time, but then thinking about scale as well, because, 
You know, I think back to the days when it wasn't about making money. It was about how fast can you grow? And then eventually you're just going to sell to somebody and you can let them figure it out. So how do you think about that and think about the future from how you're building the business? Ideally, it's to elevate from a SaaS to an API, which we've already taken those steps and are already there. The, the API allows for any application, whether that's Clubhouse, Zoom, Meet, um, any, any application, even if it's one that you're building yourself, to now allow to have that, that payment feature of a time-based payment. Let's say you're building a tutoring platform. Or, or, or any freelance platform that your professionals are being paid on a time-based payment. Right now, because of the lack of the technology outside of, of monotimes, those things are paid on a on an upfront block rate perspective, which really doesn't give a lot of value to the client because you're paying you, you'll be paying for a full hour even if you're on the phone for 35 minutes. And if you go over that hour, the professional starts to lose value. Right. Mm. So if SaaS companies are moving, if you see that trend in fintech, SaaS companies are moving to a usage base type of uh, of pricing. Uh, we believe that professional services also can can benefit from a, a usage based time based payment platform or payment capabilities that can be implemented into other applications. So literally my time is money. <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact. So let's say, for example, let's say for a clubhouse. So if we can all, if we can also agree that the new payment platform of tipping is really still an extension of a freemium model, because what happens is, is that the, the, the creators are at the mercy of the participants to tip. It's free unless they decide to tip. But what if there was an option when you are starting a room that you make it public or private? Mm -hmm. And once you select that, you decide if you want this room to be free where and also enable tipping or it's a premium room where you set the price per hour for those individuals in it. And it amount of times calculates it down to the second that allows individuals to be more like a toll road where if you decide to get on this toll road, you pay for the amount of time you are driving, not the old toll booths where you throw the money in there and, and, <laughs> and drive it, but the new toll booths where the cameras see how long you stay on the road and you're charged, you're charged for that in a very quick and easy way so that you're allowed to go in and out of rooms. Uh, and the rooms may have a 30 to a one minute preview session where you're able to sit in and listen to see if you're going to receive value. And if you and if you do want to participate, you stay. The timer starts. When you leave, the timer stops. It triggers the payment and then you go and browse other rooms. So we see that capability being for for a lot of different applications. Wow. I mean, that 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 helps change the way that business is done in so many phases. And, you know, when I think about it, I'm like, you know what? I just need a drink. And for that. <laughs> I'm gonna take a, I'm gonna take a sip of our whiskey of the day that you brought to the table. You know, I you know we at the whiskey here we like to dive into business tech and culture, but we also like to sip on our whiskey as well. So you know, I mean, I'll drink I'll drink to the innovative thinking and business changing potential that 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 definitely has on the marketplace. So tell us about this whiskey that you introduced for us. And then we're going to take a sip on that innovative thinking. Nice. Nice. So this is a billet bourbon. It is um, it's an American uh, bourbon from uh, Kentucky. And one of our partners, uh, Jordan Dressel, is a he's a he's also in the spirit space as a uh, import and distributor. And he put me on to this, actually. And he was telling me that in San Francisco, uh, a lot of mixologists are using this. Um, and going crazy. It's like I, I think it's supposed to be the new the new big thing in in in, in the Bay Area for um, for mixing. So with that, I, I actually made a, a mixed drink. I didn't I didn't <laughs> I didn't go straight with it. So oh, from I, Dallas I, too. I, yeah, man. Oh hey. man, foul, foul. <laughs> I added some I added some fresh orange juice. I mean, some fresh oranges and some uh, um, some uh, lime soda. 
and it, it's major. Us up a little bit, huh? Class yeah, it's like, major. Hey, we're a little, we're a little dirty with our whiskey and, and bourbon sometimes. Like, they, know, they, know, they know I don't mix anything with my <laughs> Scotch bourbon or whiskey because I don't want to be, I don't want it to be unhealthy with the sugars. I just <laughs> oh, over. <laughs> I got you. I got Stick you. With the Stick with the it, was, it was clearly yeah. it was for it was clearly a health reason. Yeah, why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but I enjoy it. It's 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 a good one. That's I like amazing. you. Know, I'm gonna ju- I'm gonna jump you back into this whole clubhouse thing. We've been exploring things around there, and so it has become. I like. Let's take a layer of what you're doing modern times. So some of the quality of content has diluted on clubhouse, right? There's a, it hasn't become exclusive. I like the idea. Let's maybe make a room exclusive. Have you be the toll keeper? Boom. Pay to be a part. Elon's coming on or whoever's coming on. You get to hear this person. You were listening to Steve Stout the other day, Clyde. He's yep. coming on. Boom. Okay. You, that's some knowledge he's going to drop, right? And he's going to pay to be in that room. And that could be dope. There's a lot of other competitors coming in the market too now with these folks. Um, I'm looking from a venture angle. So there's competitors in the market right now. And as obviously, you know, and then so they're, they're pretty competitive as far as pricing. Are you able to disclose any like pricing around this? Because Square, it looks like it's the most expensive pay to play and you'd be kind of closer to them than a credit card. Right. As far as fees, they're, they're three to four uh, percent. Most credit cards are one and a half to two ish. Right. And the transaction, then they take another 10, 15 cents per transaction. Where would you fall in line there? And I would love to get into the monetization of this whole thing. Right. It would it would really depend on our. Uh, who we've chosen as our back-end uh, payment processor. So at this, we we're a partner with Stripe as of now. So for these transactions, Stripe charges the professional 2.9 percent plus 32 cents uh, per transaction. Um, and you know, depending on so, for example, if with an API, it would the programmer or the company would actually be able to decide if they're building an entire app, if they want to go with Stripe or one of their competitors and actually program that in there. Uh, we decided to go with our, what we call more so our proof of concept or, or, or our live app so you can actually see how it works. It's in the stores right now. You just go to Monetimes uh, in the Google or Play Store um, to, to try it out. Uh, but realistically, we see that Whoever programs their the monetizers into their solution would be able to set all of those things, which for us we think is 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 great for the flexibility. And and so for our standalone app for what we've built for the market to test, it's uh, I think it's right around I can't remember what it is, but it's on our website. It's right around a five uh, percent plus the thirty two cents, and then for the professional. Um, it, I think it's right around five percent, uh, and that and that's constantly changing because we're 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 you know looking for that that sweet spot, uh, as well as we are really focused on that application as of now being an example for others to see what the possibilities are when they program monetize into their solution. One quick point of education for me. So as you scale that, then do you get to charge uh, ask for a lower? transaction fee because that's high five percent for you right is that, is that how it works how does it work generally so you mean for our i don't understand your question you mean for our the app that's on the stores right now yeah so per transaction you're paying you said i think it's three something uh no 2.9 and then a 32 cent 32 cents per transaction fee right um and then with scale do you get to have is that can that be customized at all can you use a negotiating power for you as the person jumping on the back end of Stripe? Yes, yes. There are, you know, at scale, those uh, those fluctuate um, and usually go down with more transactions. Uh, but, but for us, it's going to be really, you know, more important for the end user or the developers and the, and the companies to decide if they want to go, uh, say, with the Stripe or go with say a PayPal or somewhere else. We personally, we've decided to go with Stripe because we, it, we love their, their process, their APIs okay. that allow for the yeah. easy to connect. Um, and we're excited because with, with somebody, with people like clubhouse and others selecting Stripe and, and, and the more popular Stripe becomes the easier it is for the, uh, those companies to simply integrate our API. I mean, it's, it's almost, it's very simple now that they're already 
whoever, if you're already with Stripe, to implement the API and immediately start to give that additional layer of payment feature. So may I ask, well, let me ask another follow on if, and it's kind of along these lines. So I'm, I'm looking at this. I like this. I went to your website. It's sleek. It's, it's nice. It's fun, sleek and fun, which is kind of cool. Nice to navigate. I actually really understood it when I went to the app store because it's all laid out slide by slide there as well. And then some text around it, which is nice. So if I'm, who would be your ideal customer? So I get it. The babysitter, some, someone does some consulting, someone becomes a plumber or something, but who would be ideal for you as a game changer type of transaction for you? What, what would be ideal two, two to five years down the road? A, a large communication platform. Okay. Implementing, implement, implementing our, implementing monetimes as an, as an additional payment options or say a, a clubhouse, a, law pay yeah. or a, a, a law tap people that facilitate meetings right now that charge for block times that now can say we've implemented the monotimes api so now clients you have the ability to choose block times or pay per time so let me give you a use case for attorneys to get over that hump they usually charge a large retainer five to ten thousand dollars for a retainer Right. And over time, throughout the 60 days, at the end of 60 days, you're going to get an invoice that has a bunch of times on there that you don't even know. <laughs> I don't know if you've gone through this before, but there's 650 an hour here. We were on the phone for 45 minutes. This right. You get this this itemized issue. Right. What Monotimes allows has allowed attorneys that use it now is it allows for their. And keep in mind that attorneys at large law firms, they utilize systematics. They have these systems that that work. But when you're onboarding a client, those initial consultations, especially for for attorneys that charge for those, it's really a headache because you don't want to have to onboard them into your payment solution if you don't even know if they're a client. Right. Right. And, you know, and so they they, they're tracking time on their iPhones and then having to translate that into accounts payable and these different types of things and independent attorneys that aren't at large firms would have to do the same thing. Now they don't have to charge a large retainer to their to their to potential clients because the transparency is there. They, they know if they're on this call that their card has been verified. And at the end of this call, just like an Uber drive, Uber ride, that client's card is going to be charged and that money is in my account. So it, it eliminates that risk for that that attorney to have to charge that large retainer and it eliminates that barrier of entry for that client. And then it also eliminates the need for the back end accounts, you know, accounts part of, of, of getting paid. Like, you don't, that's the hardest part. If you speak to a lot of attorneys, that's the time consuming part of their, of their, of their life that they really would like to do away with. Mm, that makes sense. That makes sense. You do think like Uber, you, that's a great example, right? What so they're a threat? They could be right. So they could say, "Hey, well, we have this software. It's I'm just, there's all prop, right? So proprietary. So I'm assuming they could start licensing this out for others to start utilizing. So these are threats. So how, what's your kind of defensive moat against these kind of companies? And who like Venmo is everything besides you have the tracking tool in place, which is awesome. That's that's great. So, but then what if Venmo starts to develop that? They see your idea. They're like, okay, they Facebook your idea. They're like, okay, we should do that too. Because <laughs> times well, in, in, in my world, that's called a shortcut, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> Please do, right? Because that, and if you look at our team, just from my past experiences, I've learned that getting a patent is not really the hard part the or the expensive part the the expensive and hard part is is protecting and and enforcing that patent and so everything i i do from a a technology standpoint starts with ip from an ip team that completely understands it that that understands the ip technology and are very good at protecting patents um and, and 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 intellectual property um so i'm 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 confident that we, you know, we should be okay in that department. I'm going to toss so, it to these guys. So oh, sorry. I'm, I just want to say one thing. So the B to C, the B to C for now, and then the B to B is the real blade. And that's the play. I get it. I love it. Sorry, Anthony, I cut you off. No, no, it's fine. So, so ultimately, if I'm a, you know, I'm selling my my services out there. Is your platform at this point something where 
uh, say the customer is looking for a, a, a business development professional, marketing professional, do you have it aggregated on your platform or we just have to, when I find, find you on LinkedIn or whatever it is, we'll, you'll pay me just going through modern times. Is it, is it set up yet to, to find people or certain professionals in that space? Not at this, not at this time. It's, it's not set up to aggregate. Um, one is we wanted to keep the permissions, the privacy. We wanted to keep all of those things really solid, as well as we really feel like our our best path to scale and success is to integrate our API into other gotcha. communication platforms. So before and with us being a and you guys know being a startup, you ha- you have to dedicate your limited resources to, you know, different ventures and projects that and efforts that, you know, could yield the most. And so we, instead of continuously going down that development cycle, we felt that our core API, our core algorithms, the connection with Stripe uh, would allow others to add any type of functionality they wanted around the application. So uh, for, for me, you know, one of the things I want to know is like, you know, we, we, we talked about like the opportunity in the, with Stripe and, and really integrating into a, a larger play. Like, where do you see Modern Times in the next 12 months, so April to next year? Where do you guys see yourself really? Or what are some of the goals that you, if you want to, t- you know, you can talk about it? Uh, yeah. Quite honestly, thinking big, I see us as when, when, when Clubhouse says that, tipping is the first of many payment features. I I see us as the second or third payment feature uh, added to Clubhouse and other communication uh, platforms and either uh, acquired uh, uh, let's put it as simple as that. (laughs) Acquired. Acquired (laughs) by <laughs> you can go on the beach because realistically, in the in the eighth, the eighth, that's why I like and I've and I've run other types of of software and technology companies, and I honestly believe that API is the could be the could be a game changer for tech companies, especially ones with great ideas but limited resources and 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 forgive me, I, I also I was raised in the Gordon Gecko era. So a lot of my mentors were completely against institutional funding. And I also was raised in an era where it was almost impossible for a young black man to get funding, no matter how good your idea was or is. So creating in that, I guess, box I, I was in, I've, I've always tried to find innovative solutions and ways to get it to the masses without having to have a tremendous amount of, of funding or resources, right? So For example, we can run, we can run, we can run 10, 10 million simultaneous transactions through monotimes for less than a hundred dollars a month. Wow. With our, with our, with our, with our, with our stack. So it, it allows for us to, and I was listening to a, a podcast of you guys earlier where a gentleman was talking about the power of APIs and it allows for us not to have any of the sales forces, any, it really is just focused in on integrating into great solutions. Amazing. And you touched on something that I wanted to pick up the conversation about it being a black man in tech. Um, we heard many stories. Um, the person who founded Calendly, you know, he, he, pretty much couldn't get found funding and raise his business. And, and they was like, you know what, we have to invest with you because you're, you're just too successful. There's no reason for us to say no. Talk to us about, you know, your experience about being a black man in tech. Um, some of the hurdles you've gone through and, you know, the ways you were able to get to the other side and, you know, start going towards the successful venture that you, you're building today. Well, um, y'all, you spoke about, our venture in the music space. And what happened in, with, with that software is that uh, about, I guess, 11 years now, a hospital came to us or, or came to me and was like, you know, Clayton, forget music. We need to use this technology to save lives, right? Um, this was, now keep in mind, this was 
pre-cloud, pre-iPhone, pre-smartphone, pre-any of this. I mean, they were pulling satellite trucks in the parking lots of hospitals and running fiber optics, and it's taken six months to plan and coordinate a live stream from Dallas, Texas, to, say, London for a sinus symposium. And they were like, wait a second, you're streaming concerts from your house, from people's garages, with a little box? I'm like, yeah. So that that changed our life in a way where it propelled us in the in the in the healthcare space but that prepared me for a lot of the things to come because not only being black but being in the healthcare space it's like everything is harder times 10 things take a lot longer mm-hmm. the sales cycle the uh, everything right and not to mention we were we were introducing the technology inside of the OR that made a lot of surgeons and nurses uncomfortable. And, and, and what, I, what was explained to me by a very prominent surgeon was, Clayton, you got to remember that even John Hopkins has a bottom 10%, man. Everybody doesn't want <laughs> to, to, op, to, op, to operate on camera. <laughs> but, but, but jumping those hurdles and going through it and also building coalitions with others that had more influence, but also saw the vision, but had more influence, was able to change that narrative from we don't want to do this to if you don't do it, then why would I want to send my family member to you? Right. Uh, so it changed that narrative. But here comes COVID and out the blue. I see in 2020, I see two companies that have never been in the space raise a hundred million dollars off of just the idea that they could possibly do this when we had been doing it for the last nine years. <laughs> it was, that, was the flabbergasted. Black the black tax. Right. It was flabbergasted, right? We were sitting there like, wow, how is this even how is this even possible? But it, it taught us some great lessons uh, as those things continue to move and and uh, and continue. But it's a it is a constant hurdle. It's, it's something that I've had to become aware of. I've also had to to understand that as a six foot dark skinned black guy, it's very diff- I can't talk to people the way that Steve Jobs talked to people. It's not going to go over the same way. You can't, I can't talk to people or use the same tone as a Simon Cowell because then it becomes aggressive and and, and abusive instead of the other endearment terms that are used. Right. So it's, it's more, it's more of an understanding and, and, and an adjustment. But at the end of the day, just like an artist, I do believe that it, it does come down to the music. It comes down to the product to the service, what needs that you're, you're solving. Uh, uh, because when, when, when that is compelling enough, I think it, it, it will be seen and, and it will spill over. No, thank you for that. I think that's, that's exactly like what we have to go through. And, uh, you know, I think we've experienced all of that in certain areas where there's corporate life, startup life. Um, and you know, that's why we, we, we created the whiskey here so we can hear these stories uh, understand how you get through them and, you know, show the success. So, show the success. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so, you know, what I like to do is I want to ask you a quick question and forgive me for this. Sure. All black people don't look alike, <laughs> but you look like somebody I know. Did you go to Morehouse? <laughs> hey, I was just about to ask you, my guy. You know, when I, when I, when I heard your voice, I was like, I know him. <laughs> That's I, hilarious. What, I, yeah. yeah, but you didn't go by Clyde at Morehouse, did you? Oh, oh, sexual talking was his name. Oh. <laughs> yeah, there I we go. Lee three, all Lee three, Lee. Lee Mike. So you know, I was just on the phone with Rick. Okay. Uh, I was, I was, uh, you know, uh, with 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 Sailor. You know, oh, the, the whole squad, man. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. We cleaned up nicely then, huh? Already, my brother. <laughs> you already know. I so like, did, Clyde, did Clyde look different? Did Clyde, was he a six foot three white guy back then or what? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't recognize him right away? No, no. 
<laughs> oh no, nah, he was he was in the mix. Oh, he was, man. He was a guy in the mix at all times. Yeah, but well, you know, yeah, he know he know how we get down out there in Atlanta. Yeah, oh, so boy. you know, oh, this makes this boy. this makes this episode even special because we have another Morehouse Morehouse man. You know, in the in the mix, so you know, I'm excited. Well, I, you know, I, I I dropped out my my uh, junior year. Um, hey, to pres- he- you know, I'm an entrepreneur, man. So you know, we were back then. You know, back then, if you were an entrepreneur, you were really just seen as unemployed, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> but, tell, but, tell, you know, tell every tech tech CEO that who's dropped out of institution. So <laughs> that ain't no thing. Exactly. Look at exactly. that, man. What kind, of, great, what, man. what kind of small Bringing people together. Making, That's what we do. Bringing people together. There we go. There exactly. we go. He's on top of it. But uh, <laughs> so amazing. So, you know, this has been great. I'm glad we had a chance to dive into the to the tech and, and your company. And uh, I don't know if Anthony told you in the prep, but we like to do a portion of the episode where we call Shit You Should Know. Uh, Shit You Should Know is something where we're watching, reading, um, we learning, we're seeing something that we think our listeners should know. We think this is a valuable piece of the of the uh, of the podcast because you know you can't do it all. There's only so many twenty four hours in a day, but I think we have a diverse list of things that we're diving into, and we like to share it with our audience. So um, I'll let Anthony kick it off. <laughs> I love it. Enough, enough, enough for Anthony kicking off. Mine's is always too serious. So, uh, Google and uh, Google v, or, uh, v Oracle. Uh, the Supreme oh. Court just made a rule, ruling this week. Was it this week or early in the last week? Yeah, this week. Uh, where they side, sided with Google uh, on on the argument that Oracle was upset. I'll just uh, I'll break it into like layman's terms. Upset that Google uh-huh. uses its code roughly to b- build out Android. Right. So mm-hmm. they took that code, built Android and didn't pay any licensing fees. And they and they, they argued fair use um, and the Supreme Court sided with Google, which is a game changer on the concept of fair use. So it's interesting to see what that what's that's going to mean for for other technology companies who want to build out platforms, use other people's code for fair use. It's a great argument. Um, it's an interesting argument. I'm sitting in the middle, not making that <laughs> change, taking any sides on that one, but that's just something shit you should know. I like yes. it. I like it. Oh, you like that one? Yeah, that's yeah. good, man. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah. They, got, they try to throw, they, listen, Clayton, they try to throw me under the bus. <laughs> like, Anthony, you're, you're, you're not prepared. Yeah, I'm always prepared. I just don't like the topics I bring up. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a major one right there. That's a major, that's a major subject because, uh, it's hard. It's it's even harder now to get uh, technology patents. Um, mm. You know, the examiners see it and think a lot of stuff should just is is in the air, and 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 uh, nobody uh, should have a, a, a technology patent um, going forward. So hopefully, we get past that hurdle. Everyone. So I want to I want to dive into something that I've been diving into re- recently was uh, Substack. Substack is a aggregator of newsletters that simplifies the process of getting information. So it's pretty much we're thinking about a creator's economy and kind of in line with your product, um, Clayton, and just thinking about new ways to monetize stuff that you're already doing. So if you think back to the days where, you know, you'd buy a newspaper or buy an album for one single or buy a newspaper for to read one author or one article, now they've disrupted the space and letting these creators create their own content, do a daily or weekly or monthly newsletter and charge a subscription fee and give them the scale of technology so that they have the ability to launch it and do everything on the back end without having to make a lot of work. So Substack has been really good. There is a couple of people that I follow on there. Uh, there's a, a, a Substack newsletter called Defend by, by uh, James Letbetter. He's a former uh, publisher of, um, um, excuse me, editor of, of, of Forbes magazine. And he has a fin uh, tech focused newsletter. We talked cryptocurrency, um, payment systems is really in line with, with your product and uh, something that, you know, I wanted to bring to our listeners to check out Substack. There's a bunch of different creators, a bunch of different uh, types of newsletters and newsletters are perfect for today's environment. The beauty of that space, because like you got people who built their brands on these major platforms, brought it over here, and they're making some of them 25, 50, 100 million 
with all through all their subs, right? You get 10,000 people at $10 a month or whatever it is. And they could have never made that at New York times or Washington post, right? And that kind of money. That's great. That's great for the, yeah, the high, high tier folks. Nice. That's nice. Yeah. Go ahead, Clayton. Do you want, I don't want our guests to go last. What, sure. Sure. Um, Clyde. I'm not, I'm not know how this, I'm not know how, I don't know how this fits, but you know, uh, in healthcare, uh, really unbeknownst to a, a it's happening un, kind of below the radar, but there are about, it's about 500 to $600 million of online payments about to come online in the next, I would say 12 to 24 months. Uh, COVID has changed the way uh, medical device companies are delivering uh, safe and effective use of their products in the hospital and in the OR. And so you have companies now that are like, like virtual OR and avail and others that are, going into the hospitals and setting up video networks so that the uh, the rep can now service that 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 surgeon in a case remotely, um, but also now charging a subscription price and will be charging subscription price and a per minute price for that uh, for that connectivity. So uh, just keep that in just keep that in mind. It's it, it, which could in some ways affect healthcare in in various different ways. So yet to see how it does that. I like it. I like it. Um, Just to clean out, I probably got a low brow and a high brow and that's it too. All right, Anthony, two of them. All right. Um, So, so, you know, there's a lot of cancel culture happening around here, right? Cancel culture. Uh I guess people say the wrong thing. People get canceled. Um, Then there's ESP, the end for Paul Pierce because he canceled himself. (laughs) 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 He could have been paying by the hour. He could have been using your app. I don't know what he's doing, but he's in a strip club and he was actually, and he took, and he posted himself. If Clyde would have posted it, of him, he wouldn't have gotten fired probably. But this guy posted it himself. So, especially since you guys are all LeBron guys, you know, on my half of the screen over here, like, and you know, they go at it. So you're probably, you're probably happy with this, Clyde Manthe. Um, anyway, that's a funny story. Blitzscaling. This is the highbrow portion. So it's a book by it's uh, Reed Hoffman and Chris Yeh. So Chris Yeh, I've come to know in the last several months, and we're we're actually supposed to do some stuff on Clubhouse. Speaking to your point. Uh, Clayton, so Blitzscaling, The Lightning Fast Path to Building Massively Valuable Companies. It's a dope book, uh, and it's just filled with just dynamite. It's just boom, hit, hit after hit after hit. So check it out. Oh, that was nice. What was that name? What was the name of that again? It's called Blitzscaling and Reed Hoffman. Blitzscaling. Uh, yep, and the founder of LinkedIn and uh, and then Chris Yeh. Just, uh, he runs a fun, they run a fun together. What? Sorry? So I'm going to pick it up because I need to Yeah, it's to, a good uh, book, man. It's, read. It's an easy read. It's good. It's, it's quick. Oh, and it's easy read. Even better. What nice. I'm reading right now. What I'm reading right now is just way too. Is it's deep. It's too heavy for me. What'd you do? What'd you nice. do? Well, you know, it's uh, it's it's um it's just one of those. You know, I, I, I'm a CIA CIA kind of book reader. Uh oh. Outside of business books, so anything that plays like a uh, Clancy role, Tom Clancy kind of books. Oh, this one's called you. this one, but this one's called Surprise Kill. What, what, uh, what, what would we expect? This same guy that goes kayaking and Formula One racing. So yeah, yeah. well, listen, I like kayak. Clayton, I like to go kayaking. Okay, and I like Formula One racing. And nice. everything, everything can't be the top three sports in the country. You gotta, you gotta step out the box sometimes. Okay? Right. Exactly. I've, been watching, I've been watching these sports my whole life. Now I gotta step out the box. Okay? Exactly. Still, Ain't nothing wrong with kayaking. Thank you. Yeah, I, I still, I can't. I just, you don't see me still wearing Nietzsche jeans. Uh-huh. Okay. Hey, you said you still do. No, I don't. Oh, okay, okay. I'm about to say that's throwback right there. <laughs> hey, yeah. but keep them; they might come back. They probably on the way back, no, bro. They're they're they're, they're gone. They're, they're <laughs> no longer in my possession. <laughs> that is that is a time in my life that will leave by, leave in the past. Yeah, long, 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 With long, the long time ago. and all that. Oh yeah. <laughs> So, we can cut this man. section up. We can cut this. Hold on, Clyde. I'm sorry. I was gonna. I gotta ask him about everything behind him. And Clayton, if you're not comfortable with this being on the pod, all that night the collectibles behind you because you. I don't want someone breaking in your house or something. But you know, um, oh. that's dope because I just came off a conversation on, about NFTs and collectibles was a big portion of it. This is the physical attributes of it. You got some good stuff going on back there. Like you got Marvel. You said you got some Jordans, of course. You know, you know, you know where the history is, and then um some some of that anime you said, right? What's going on there? You got some. That's like a billion dollars tied up on that wall. No, I wouldn't say. Uh, <laughs> let's hope we get there. Let's hope we get there. But yeah, it's more of um. It so now it's it's in the car phase. So it's gonna it's gonna move back to the comic phase, the book phase. 
right? So I encourage everyone really to invest, excuse me, invest in like keys because, you know, comic keys, especially if you can see when a, when a movie is about to come out. So this is the first, this is the first uh, appearance of Carnage, right? So if you know anything about uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a carnage about to come out, right? Mm-hmm. So this it usually shoots the value of, of the collectibles and the pieces up, right? So it's more about it, it, I, instead of instead of collecting in stock or heavy in stock or things like that, and with having two boys, uh, they enjoy looking at them and, and, and playing with them, and they, they hold their value uh, very, very well. So, you know, get the trifecta there with That's them. That's an amazing wall right there, man. <laughs> Damn. All right. I, I appreciate you it. Say, you you, you didn't decide whether you want to keep that in there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you tell me if you want me to cut that out. I want anyone breaking your house. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll cut that no, it's all good. It's all good. All right. All right. So so let me dive <laughs> dive to something that's very important for the Whiskey Hue, the whiskey of the day. So you introduced us to Bullet. Um, and, you know, I'm a, I, I, will, I, will, I will admit I'm a frequent drinker of Bullet bourbon. Um, I like it straight and I like it with, uh, in the summertime with lemonade. So it's a little something called bourbon lemonade that I like to sip on. So I am a big fan and I've been sipping on it today. And I will say that it's a, it's a tried and true favorite of myself. So I am glad that you introduced this one because, um, you know, it wasn't one of those $300 bottles like a fool, like to, uh, bring, bring to the table, you know, I'm trying, trying to get there, but, uh, I was a fan of this. What do you guys think about the whiskey of the day? Bullet, bullet, never go. Bullet bourbon, you never go wrong with. And mm. as Clay mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, you know, like in San Fran, it's funny. You know, first time I had, no, it wasn't the first time. It was one of the better old fashions I had was at the W Hotel, in San Fran. I don't know, either, either, either I was, either I was in my zone, and it was really good because I was in my zone, or the guy, or the bartender, or mixologist made it very well. Yeah. That's what I've tried at first, but then I, I like it. I just like it without with a cube, and it's and it's good. It'll punch you in the face if you have a small cube. You gotta get a little bigger cube. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. I started sipping prior to the show, and it it uh it, it punched me in the face. So that's why I decided to <laughs> add a little splash of a little little you know a little something something in there with it. So. I love it. This is awesome. Amazing, amazing. So thank you for joining us. Uh, on the episode of the Whiskey Hue, um, I would say it's an honor to reconnect and see that you're doing amazing and great things with with uh, Modern Times, and uh, wish you nothing but great success. Our listeners, check it out. Download the app. Engage. Make sure you listen to the Whiskey Hue on the WhiskeyHue.com or any of the major platforms, and rate us on uh, uh, rate us five stars. We got good content from Black and Brown creators in the adventure tech and culture space. Thanks for listening to the Whiskey Hue. Peace.